Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Our text is that of Malachi 3, the Old Testament lesson read. The question is, is the Lord so far that we can't return? We live in a world with God seeming to be far away, as seen in the habits of the world all around and next to us. Unbelief is the common habit of many people, and ethical habits, choices, and way of life are justified by individual desires. The presence of God is not understood, and he seems far away. God is not seen or heard. Faith and hope in God are mocked and seen as engaging in superstition. When we tell someone we will pray for them, oftentimes it has little meaning. They would much rather have something tangible done for them, financial restoration or legislative action to mitigate whatever happened to them from happening to them or someone else in the future. I don't need your prayers. I need, and you can fill in the blank. Temporal and physical support is well and good, but there is little faith in the comfort or action of God. What benefit is there in prayers to a God who seems so distant and removed from the situation at hand? For those that do have a steadfast obedience to the divine commandment, that look to God and call on his name and seek his wisdom, they often find themselves rejected as being narrow-minded, bigoted, and even oppressive. There was a news story this week of I think it was a high school teacher who was being told, you must address this person by male pronouns. He'd been a female in his class the year before. And he, due to his own conscience, said, I I cannot do that as a Christian. I'm willing to call this person by their given name, but I won't use male pronouns. Suspended, rejected, and sent on his way. It is difficult for us to keep from adopting the ways of of prevailing society. That's what he had tried not to do. We are like silver that tarnishes in the open air as we are influenced by what we see and hear. At the same time, we are tempted to dismiss what we do not see and hear. Where is God? Where is his voice? And how can we see him? Gradually, we become encrusted by habitual thoughts and actions that mar and eventually hide the image of God in us. With unbelievers all around us, we also become confident in our own waywardness as we take on the image of our sinful surroundings. We forget that we belong to God, have had our sins cleansed, and fail to act in a manner that is consistent with that act of cleansing. When we do see things going awry around us, We have the same lament of those with no faith. Where's the God of justice? Why doesn't God simply act and punish those who do the terrible things we see going on? It is easy for us to believe that God no longer cares. And we no longer believe that God will intervene with justice. And we become cynical and we doubt. These become the marks of our spirituality versus trust in God. However, God was always near through the messengers he sent. Throughout the history of Israel, God sent prophets who cried out to his people. Thus says the Lord of hosts, return from your evil ways 
and from your evil deeds. Zechariah 1.4. But Israel did not heed the prophets and pay attention to their message from God. But God did not destroy them. In time, God did affect his will through the prophets, and the people repented and said, as the Lord of hosts purposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. God's word of law demands a personal return to God, a repentant return, in order to hear the message of grace and forgiveness. It is a cry for mercy that God wishes to hear, mercy that only comes through Christ. In our Old Testament reading, God is near in the words of Malachi, his messenger. He rebuked the people for their faithlessness and cynicism toward God. Malachi warned of God's imminent coming with, with a purifying fire. He promised that those, that those who repented and were purified would stand and endure the fateful coming of the Lord. He promised them they would once more be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old. God was near in his messenger, John the Baptist, also. Once again, he called and rebuked those in the comfort of their own self-confidence. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, <clears throat> excuse me, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He warned them of God's imminent coming and, the promised, and promised that his baptism of repentance prepared the way for the Lord. He promised a new freedom from the bondage of sin through the forgiveness of sin. And that man would see God and would share in his righteousness as their lives were conformed to his, being sanctified by the fruits of faith in Jesus. The messenger, Luke proclaimed, and the, the messenger Luke proclaimed the coming of the Lord. The way of the Lord was the coming of Jesus. Jesus' sufferings, going to the cross, were the purifying fire and the fuller soap that cleansed sin from him, not his sin, but ours. Jesus was the only one who could endure the day of his coming, and he stood under the judgment of God, a place we cannot stand in our sins. It was Jesus' obedient passion that was the offering, pleasing to the Lord as in days of old, as stated in Malachi 3.4. The purifying fire that Jesus endured was for disobedience, and Jesus' sinlessness was the new obedience of a new and purified people. His way of faith that trusts completely in the faithfulness of his Father is the way we return to the Lord our God. When we are united with Christ in his death through our baptism, we return to God and he turns to us. We could never turn back to God without first being called to repentance through his law, only then to be cleansed by the blood of Christ, having grasped hold of it through the gift of faith. Jesus was the only one capable of doing what God demands. Return to him with a heart of faith that trusts only in his mercy. Christ in his resurrection declared his victorious return to the Father, sins forgiven, and eternal life attained for his people. As his baptized and cleansed people, we live in the world 
with God very near. The habits of the world seem far away to the new man or woman in us, which sin has no allure. But our old and sinful Adam is still with us in this life, desiring and lusting after the things of the flesh versus heavenly things. But God is still near because he has purified us by the blood of the new covenant of baptism. God has raised us up to stand and endure by the gifts of his sacrifice we receive in our Lord's Supper. He has recreated us as a new people, shining bright like a new silver coin, the tarnish and dross gone through the cleansing of fire, and covers us with the white robe of Christ cleansed by the fuller's caustic soap. It is a judgment of fire and soap that we could never return to God and endure, but Jesus did. Is God so far away that we cannot return to him? No, because it is not really we who return, and he never left. I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, it is his unchanging love shown in Christ that can say, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. We are those children, and it is the Lord's unchanging resolve to love and forgive and provide even at those moments, he may seem far away. That is the reason he cleanses and returns us to himself. Amen. May this peace, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.